Junk food supper. 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 Welcome to Junk Food Supper. This is the podcast where pretty much every week we get together and we talk about one crazy, wacky movie that we found uh, perhaps on cable TV or the, the video stores, you know, places like that, uh, basements, stuff like that. That's where we find them. Uh, I am Parker and I am joined by Sean Byron. How are you doing, Sean Byron? I'm doing all right, you know, fresh out the basement hunting for movies. <laughs> That's where they keep movies these days, right? A lot of them, you'd be surprised. But yeah, a lot of them are down there, in fact. You know, there's still a few out there in the forest. You know, if you've got a wood wooded area in your backyard, you might find a movie or two back there. But yeah, most of them downstairs in that basement. Yeah, I mean, that's a good place for them, especially the kind of movies we're watching. You don't want these, you don't want these in the living room, some of these movies. No, no, certainly. Oh, although today's... <laughs> Debatably on the more family-friendly-ish side. I I was wondering that. The Japanese confused me. I don't... I was, I was kind of wondering. I was like, well, this has to be a kid's movie, right? But then, like, so many people explode into blood that I just wasn't sure. Well, that happens in popular video games that these children play as well. Oh, so it, they should... And yeah, they're, again, they're in Japan, it's kind of common. <laughs> exactly. And again, in Japan, that's, you know, kind of common. <laughs> common writer. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin didn't even know that, that you know, he was preparing for this episode when he said that, but he kind of, he called it, he predicted it. He was kind of a Nosferatu of podcasting. <laughs> you mean, uh, no, wait, who's that guy? Not Nosferatu. Oh, um, Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Well, he's also, he's yeah. also kind of a Nosferatu of podcasting, if you think about it. Yeah. He's got those, I mean, why those long, spindling, uh, spindly fingers. You know, he's got those bat ears. <laughs> he's always with rats for some reason. You can't just assign vampirism to anything you don't understand. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Okay. Your culture is not a costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no wonder he's always lurking in the shadows. Uh, so what's going on with you this week? Have you seen any movies or done anything fun? Not a whole lot, but I, I do have one movie that I went out for, which was we caught the um, the theatrical release of the semi-recent, I think it came out in Japan last year, but the new Slam Dunk movie. That earnest film? <laughs> that earnest film yeah yeah it's <laughs> finally took them all these years and the death of the main star of the film but they got around to making a sequel <laughs> can't really call it slam dunk earnest anymore but it's you know it's it's everything that, that you loved about slam dunk earnest without the earnest you know what i mean okay so just slam dunking it's 100 percent. it's it's two hours of just dunks the, <laughs> They're using an approach that the kids call hyper editing, where you don't even see that, you know, any dribbles. There's no, not even a jump. It's just ball in hoop. It's kind of pornographic, actually. I bet if you put out a movie that was just like really, really good dunks, I bet it would make like $30 million on opening weekend. Yeah. Put some Australian heavy metal ma- band behind it, you know, <laughs> sell it like st- stunt rock. Kids mm-hmm. would be clamoring for this thing. 
I think so. I think that's the that's gonna be the new thing. That'll be the new that'll be like the new step up franchise. It's just like dunks. <laughs> like well, a, now, a wacky Paul Oakenfold soundtrack. So this is in fact not based on the Ernest property. Uh it's uh there was like an anime series in the nineties that was very popular that I never saw, but I guess my, my wife is a huge fan of it. And she's like, We're gonna go see this slam dunk anime movie. So we did. And it was good. I mean, if you like basketball, I think you would really love it because it, it is actually just mostly, well, I would say it's like 60% like action, basketball action, like on the court, you know, they're, they're passing balls, they're, they're making three pointers, they're making two pointers, all the point, maybe a mm-hmm. one pointer. I think that's a thing, right? When you get a foul, is yeah. that a one point? Yeah, you have um, a point for that. Yeah. So they're hitting all the points that, that you would want to see. And then they intercut some kind of drama, you know, backstories for these various uh, high school basketball players and their their complicated personalities and all this stuff. But uh, pretty good. I don't know if, if you like basketball, which I don't, and I still had fun. But you love the shorts. I love the shorts, and that's really what brought me <laughs> to the cinema, you know? <laughs> I told my wife she could go screw until I heard that there were going to be basketball shorts in it. And then that, you know, it changed mm-hmm. my mind. Well, that sounds good to me. I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but junk food dinner started out as a cult movie and basketball podcast. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I think we said that in one of the bumpers that ran like in the early days. Um, yeah, I did know that actually. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that, yeah, that sounds good to me. Speaking of anime that you and the wife may or may not be into. Uh, I saw that she posted something, a reference to this anime, the One Piece. Are y'all One Piece men's over there? You watching this? Well, I, I kind of fell off a while ago, but I was watching pretty early on. Like I watched One Piece from like 2004 through, I don't know, 2010 or 11, somewhere in there. They got to this point where they introduced uh, the skeleton man, Brock. That's, that's about kind of where I tapped out, but. Fun show. Okay. Yeah. About a year ago, I bought one of the video games. Like I'd never heard of the show and, but the video game was on sale and I was like, people were saying that it was like dynasty warriors, you know, just like a big beat em up. And I was like, well, I got, I got to spend $4 on this or whatever. Um, but it's like a recreation of like, I guess like the first couple seasons or something. So I was like, I was getting into it. I was like, oh, these, this Luffy, he seems like a fun fellow. I like this guy with the sword. He's cool. Um, the f- before you know it, you're doing Gomu Gomu No, and you're turning Luffy into a big ball of rubber, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a special move. Yeah. Well, so. he's uh, he had the devil fruit. What's his devil fruit called? I think it's just called the Gomu Devil Fruit. And yeah, that gave him the, the ability to turn into rubber, basically. He's like a plastic man, effectively. I like that. Plastic man I like. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm thinking about getting into it. I saw somewhere that there's like 1,700 episodes of it or something. So I was like, I don't yeah, time for that necessarily, but I'm interested. That's the problem with the show. Is you know, I I think it's really fun. It's it's got really fun characters and really good voice acting, especially like I I just like these characters, but the story can drag on, and like it's one of those shows where. You know, they're making at first, you know, there's like a big backlog of manga that they're like, oh, let's churn through all these stories that were already written. And those episodes are great for like the first hundred or so. And then you hit this period where like the anime catches up to the manga 
And they're like, oh shit, we got to slow things down and kind of spin wheels while the manga is being written. So they'll do these episodes that are kind of like weird sidebars that have nothing to do with anything that just kind of slow things down. Or they'll do like recap episodes. Like the pace of it just kind of drags a little bit there after a while. But if you can get through that aspect of it, I, I still think that the the stories when they do hit the screen are, are really fun and uh, cool environments. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very fun show. I, I would recommend definitely like giving it a try, you know, with, with the concept that, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to watch all of it or, or get all the way through it, but watch like a couple of story arcs. Like the, um, there's a cool one with this villain called Alabaster, uh, who's in this kind of like Egyptology based uh, sort of a, a plot line that I, that I really enjoyed. Okay. I don't think he's in the video game. There's just like, they throw so much at you in that game. I, I don't even know. You Maybe got a stop in there. I think so. Yeah. He's got like the Pinocchio nose. Oh yeah. 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 He's definitely in there. Yeah. I, he, yeah. He's a playable character. I like using him. He's like kind of diff. like he's kind of weird to use, but, um, I was using the guy with the suit most of the time. I like that guy. No, probably Sanji. I think so. Yeah, it was like a year ago that I played it, so I kind of don't remember. But he's a chef. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, you should yeah give it a a shot. It's on like all the all the anime platforms. I think like uh, what's that one that Bandai runs? Whatever that is, it's on there. Crunchyroll. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Crunchyroll, and I think it's also on like Netflix and places like that. I think so, yeah. Netflix has like a ton of anime. They they really tapped into that, into that market. It seems that like it. Market. Yeah, because I, I had to, uh, well, I didn't have to, but I, I made the choice rather than uh, rather than pirate. I, I went to Netflix and paid them the money to stream uh, Evangelion this past week. Oh, yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. Which, you know, it's it's nice to see it with all the pixels because last time I watched that show was on like a fourth generation videotape, you know, uh, on a really small TV. So it's nice to see the, these kind of pixels. Yeah, those pixels are good. I, I watched it when they first dropped it on there. And then Amazon Prime has the four new movies, which are even prettier. Uh, on yeah. account of being new, I guess. That's what's funny is is I forgot that they did that thing where they like remade the series, and so I'm watching, you know, I'm I'm watching you know the first six episodes of the series, and I'm thinking like, has it really been like t- like twenty plus years since I watched this? This seems all so fresh to me. Like I remember way more of this than I thought I would, and then I looked on Letterboxd. I'm like, oh, you fucking idiot! You watched like the. Uh, <laughs> The remake movie, I don't know, less than 10 years ago, probably. Yeah. I know we did it on the show. It might have been a Fredo movie, but you probably, if so, you probably watched it at that time, I would think. Yeah. One one yeah. would think. Yeah. I think we only did the first one, but they, they're they all really good. Well, the original series is great. I'm, I'll be yeah. honest. I don't know that they needed to to make movies out of it. I mean, just direct people back to that series. Yeah, series is very good. The movies are like very different. Like after the first one, they kind of veer off and become like very, very different from the show. Isn't that kind of annoying though? Where it's like, well, then what's the definitive version of this story? Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's kind of like just an 
like a Japanese thing though, because like the comics too, like they made uh, comics of Evangelion and they're way different too. Um, I feel like that, like I, and then as we might talk about later with the Shin Kamen Rider, I feel like this remake movie is like kind like most from what I've read is like mostly pretty um, faithful to the originals, but it also kind of veers off in some, some weird ways. So yeah, I don't, I mean, but I mean, that's kind of different since this is a different creator. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like creators Again, in Japan, that's, you know, kind of common. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of common though in Japan for creators to just kind of redo their own stuff from time to time, which is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it happens probably in, you know, video games and, and manga and, and anime and, and all these Japanese medias, but it, it still doesn't sit quite right with me where I'm like, you know what? Like, if if you did something once, like move on, <laughs> do something new. I, I don't know. That, that <laughs> stuff b- bothers me, but um, glad that that stuff is streaming. Yeah, it's out there. But uh, but speaking of animes, I hear that you've got a segment for us that may or may oh. not tie into anime. Actually, probably doesn't since it's live action, a live action show we're talking about here. But uh, but what do you got for us? I mean, it, it might tie into anime in that it is Kamen Rider related. And I couldn't tell you whether or not Kamen Rider had an anime series. I would imagine that they must have at some point done like an anime spinoff. Because um, mm-hmm. they made so much of this Kamen Rider property. Um, almost kind of feels like the original He-Man situation where, you know, the, the show was created, I think, by Bondi who I think figured out like, Hey, if we make a show where every week there's a cool looking new monster, that means we can sell little plastic toys to the kids every week of a cool new monster. And I think it worked. Cause I mean, if you look online for common rider toys, again, there's so just my, just like the show and its iterations, there's so many toys out there for this. And, and a lot of them look really cool. So uh, what I wanted to do for the, uh, for the topic this week is just pick a few of our favorite monsters from the Common Rider show. So I, I guess in the world of Common Rider, they call these kaijin, which are kind of like, I guess, kind of like human-sized kaiju. They're, I guess it translates to mysterious person. Um, but these are, you know, e- either maybe insectoid or animalistic people or you know just some kind of monstrous human-sized creature that uh the good guys in common rider would go up against uh there is of course a, a wiki ab- about these guys uh fandom.com actually has a couple of different wikis uh there's a common rider specific wiki and also just a kaijin specific wiki that focuses only on the villains it seems like um and i'm looking right now at the list and it seems like some of the most popular kaijin at the moment are the ones that were featured in the recent uh, Shin Kamen Rider mm-hmm. movie uh, that we'll be talking about, but it's, it's a, a deep pool of weirdo guys, you know? So again, I th- you know, I thought it'd be fun to just go through this long list, pick out some that we like. Um, I, you know, I think probably based on the photos that I've seen so far, I think the show that I would like the most would probably be this one, the new common rider, AKA sky rider from 1980. It ran 54 episodes. 
that seems to feature a lot of these kind of like colorful leotard based costumes, maybe akin to what you might see on uh, the old sixties Batman TV show, uh, but a little lower budget and goofier than uh, some of the later ones. But again, it really runs the gamut. All these, uh, all these creatures There's so fucking many of them. Uh, but all that said, why don't you kick it off? And if you do have the link for, your monster and you want to share the link with me so I can take a look at his silly little photo without having to type in Japanese on my own, uh, <laughs> feel free, okay. but hit me with your first. I, I think we'll do three each. Is that right? Is, is that the plan here? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Um, Tell me about your number one dude. Well, having, having, you know, no knowledge of this common writer at all, yeah, aside from same. the movie we just saw. Um, yeah. The first name that's, stuck out to me is turtle bazooka of course um, i think that's a name that would stick out for anybody <laughs> yeah he is a kaijin who appeared in episodes one and two of common writer uh v3 which i guess is version three i don't know when that was necessarily but um it says he's based off of bazooka turtle so maybe that maybe i need to go back maybe that guy's maybe i should check that guy out too for more information oh he's not even on the list but um but he, all right, so he looks cool. What struck out, you know, what immediately struck me in in addition to the fact that just combining the words turtle and bazooka are cool is I thought that maybe he was a, a reference point for Blastoise, my favorite uh, my favorite chain of Pokemons. Um, I like Squirtle. Squirtle is always my number one guy. So I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, Especially looking at him, he doesn't really look like Blastoise, but he does look kind of cool. He's got like a Halloween costume on, basically. <laughs> it looks pretty good. Um, and his weapons are a bazooka and a nuclear bomb. Oh, and he can, so, so he's friends with Oppenheimer then. <laughs> yeah, that's him. And he can retract his limbs, uh, which is cool. Um, his allies include Destron Combat Men. And Scissors Jaguar, who also seems pretty cool. Uh, Scissors Jaguar is Oppenheimer's birth name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's a no-nonsense kaijin who makes it his goal to accomplish his mission, even if it means blowing himself up, but he tends to underestimate his enemies. So um, I think this guy sounds super cool. I need to check this episode out. I agree. Um, I, I know nothing about this guy. And in fact... I will know nothing about any of the guys that we talk about. So <laughs> that's kind of a given, but yeah, his style is incredible. I love this promotional photo that they have for him where he looks very posed. It almost, you almost feel like you can, you can hear the photographer behind the camera, like instructing him to pose in this manner as if he was, you know, doing a family photo at Sears or something. Uh, very charming little, little guy. I like his uh, weird little turtle beak nose, you know, that is kind of evocative of what a turtle actually has. I like the eyes painted way on the top of his head. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty cool little dude. If you Google image search him, a lot better pictures show up. I don't know why. Like, this picture of him is really cool on the wiki, but if you search for him, you get a a much better look at him. And maybe this is him from other iterations or something, but... um, but he does have a big gun sticking out of his shell. So I do think that maybe he's an influence for my man Blastoise. 
Well, and this being 1973, I mean, this predates Ninja Turtles by quite a long run. So I, I actually think that Ninja Turtles probably ripped this dude off. Could be. And he is probably part Kappa, which I appreciate. But, uh, but yeah, that's my number one guy. I like that guy. Who Who do you have? Well, I got this guy. Let me send you the link right here. His name is Sabotagron. Sabotagron. However you want to say this, but Sabotagron is a cactus monster and sort of a, a very goofy version of a cactus, I would say. It kind of looks a, a little bit like Cactuar from the Final <laughs> Fantasy games. Yeah. Uh, but if you made him out of expired Play-Doh, uh, he's just a very lumpy fella. It looks like they tried so hard to make this cactus guy, but just couldn't get it done whatsoever. Like you can feel the effort of like, some somebody was up at three in the morning, you know, just trying to staple lumps of clay to a to a t-shirt or something and just had no experience in costume making or monster design. Uh, but they got through and they were able to film the episode the next day with Sabatogron, thankfully. Uh, it says in his bio that he can summon cactus swords. He can throw Mexican flower bombs, which... I think you can get some bomb-ass Mexican flour in my neighborhood, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Uh, And he's also a renowned Shocker commander, which uh, the Shocker organization uh, will be talked about a little bit in our review later on. Uh, He uses a human form in the disguise of an FBI agent, and he first appeared in episode 14 of the original show, 1971, uh, most recently he appeared in Common Rider Revice special event, which was a live stage show at a hotel in Tokyo last year in 2022 that they used to promote this Common Rider Revice show. Um, once again, like your dude, it says here that sometimes when he throws his Mexican flower bombs, he just blows himself up, which... Maybe that's a trend with these kaijin, that they're a little bit clumsy. Uh, And under Mm -hmm. his powers and abilities section, unlike every other kaijin that I saw that had like kind of cool powers, maybe they had a nuclear bomb, maybe they could fly or something. uh, For him, it just says powers and abilities, height, 185 centimeters, weight, 91 kilograms. (laughs) And I guess when you're 91 kilograms of cactus, that's really all you need, but... You like yeah. this uh, this cactus man? Yeah, this guy rules. I agree. He he looks unfinished. Like <laughs> it looks like they needed like three more days to make the costume, and the director was just like, "I don't have three more days, buddy. We got to get it on screen right now." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this guy's this guy's cool. But it seems like he's pretty popular. He was in the PlayStation game and the uh, Super Nintendo game. Well, people love a cactus and. You know, he's got that charming Gumby green color. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to argue with that. Well, what other yeah. kaijin caught your fancy? Um, I got this guy. Let me put him here. His name is um, Mantis Kaijin. Oh, okay. And he looks intense. This is not the Mantis Kaijin that I know and love. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the picture that they're showing here is the version from Kamen Rider Black, which is from the 80s. Um, he looks like Zorak. And I mean, this is just a fucking amazing costume. I mean, it looks like a just a, a man, like a six foot tall Mantis. Like, 
it is intense. Like it is really incredible how good this looks. Um, at least according to those these to this version, I guess. Um, yeah, well, in the photos, I mean, it's possible that when he moves around, he might look like that Chinese sun bear that is definitely just a human in a costume. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. <laughs> that guy's wearing little shoes. Like, it's I incredible. Can't, I can't believe that sun bear. What a joker. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He um, His powers and abilities include disintegrating eye lasers and mantis Wait. claws, of course. He'll disintegrate my eye lasers? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It seems pretty rude. Damn, and I worked so hard to get him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this guy is great. Do you, is, which uh, version of this guy do you know? Uh, well, he, he actually will be my next guy. So oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll share him in a moment. But, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to luxuriate in your 1980s Mantis Kaijin for a moment because he is... This is what I would call a, a, a fancy mantis. I mean, this is, they did go kind of all out. Yeah, I'm looking at some some battle shots of him doing battle with the common Rider, and he's got these really long front arms there that have pretty cool serrated edges to them. Some pretty impressive stuff. So I like this mantis. You know, there is a mantis also in... Well, kind of a half mantis in the movie that we'll be talking about later. Yeah. And there's also, according to this wiki, Mantis Beast Man, Mantis Kaijin, Mantis Kikijin, Mantis Man, Mantis Orpinok. Uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of mantises in this show. Yeah. And, and my mantis is not even one of those mantises. Um, oh, okay. I picked an entirely different manti, and that is Kamakiri Yummy. I just put the link in the chat. Uh, he's a mantis-based yummy Ooh. from episode one of Common Rider 000. And, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Common Rider 000. I guess that is the uh, 25th series of the show out of 34 total series uh, from the year 2010. Uh, and yummies, I guess, featured heavily in that Common Rider 000 series. Um, they were, they were created by some dude named greed using their own cell metals on human beings. When a human host is picked by a greed, a coin slot appears on their foreheads that allows a cell metal to be inserted into it, giving birth to a mummy like monster called a white yummy. Since their bodies are composed of a large amount of coins, they'll overflow with coins from their wounds when attacked <laughs> And it will spill out a large amount when completely destroyed, which sounds incredible. Basically, we got these walking like coin pinatas as enemies that like they're mummies, but they're also like coin banks, but they're also whatever kind of insect or animal they're supposed to be. Um, I like how this Kamakuri Mantis Man looks kind of like a like an android almost. You know, he looks like a green version of the Rags Morales version of Our Man from DC comics. Uh, but he also looks like a mantis, you know, again, he's got a cool serrated blade thing on his arms, but in this case, it looks like it's kind of detached and it's more just like a weapon that he can hold. Um, but it looks pretty tough. Like it, out of all the, the, uh, the various Kaijin that I've seen, 
I feel like this guy probably has the biggest risk of just like fucking me up real hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this guy looks super cool. He's got like so many muscles and he's got like you know, those weird like extra arms. Um, he kind of looks like like he would show up in like a, a 90s wrestling game, you know? Like like Tekken or something. Like he feels like he would be like the one like weirdo like Yoshimitsu or something like in a in like a fighting game. Uh, like they always had like a guy who was like a, a robot or a bear as like a hidden character. He feels like something like that. Yeah, I, I could see this guy sitting down and meditating in the middle of my Tekken match like a weirdo like that Yoshimitsu. <laughs> what the hell was that guy doing? Stand that up and fight, guy. Yoshimitsu. Come on. <laughs> that guy sucked. Good powers uh, on this uh, on this Mantis dude, though. He's got a strong sense of smell. He's got extraordinary leaping abilities. He's bullet resistant. He's got all the powers that you would want. Bullet resistance, very important. It says he's able to shrug off bullets shot at him. Yeah. And his face is so cool. He's got like these big bug eyes that kind of cover the human actor's eyes. Like there's a close-up picture down here, like in the gallery. And the human eyes are like kind of covered. So I'm sure this guy can't see a fucking thing in real life, but it looks amazing. Yeah. That's that's another thing that I like about this Common Rider from what I've seen so far is that it, it does feel like each one of these shows kind of has like a different flavor to its bad guys. You know, like this does not at all look like your Mantis guy, but yeah. I guess they kind of fulfill the same role just 20 years apart. Well, my final guy here, maybe a basic bitch pick considering he's in our movie. But uh, he's he's in the chat there. He's he's Batman. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He is Batman. He's the only <laughs> Batman. Um, this is the Batman we're talking about here. <laughs> glad that I kept that drop on hand. I knew that I would need it someday. Um, he originally showed up in episode two of the original show. Um, and he's he's a fucking bat. I mean, he flies around all crazy. He looks super cool. I mean. Yeah, even in this OG picture, he, I mean, he looks like a Batman. Like, that's cool. Um, he has the powers of Virus Bite. Um, and he can control humans with sound waves after he's uh, utilized this. He's got claws. He can use a human disguise. He's got sound waves. He can fly. Wait, he's a fucking Batman. Did they have Virus Bite? as part of his powers, like way back in the day. Cause I, I figured when they talk about virus bite in the new movie, I thought that was like a COVID reference. Oh, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, so they did like pretty much film everything during COVID. So yeah, that would have been a very cheeky reference, but no, yeah, that was always his thing. Yeah. Ba- Batman can transfer a virus with a brain of its own that can allow him to control humans with sound waves. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah, I like this guy uh, a great deal. I mean, as we'll talk about later, but um, yeah, even this OG version looks pretty cool. And I like the like these OG guys. I mean, you know, in the one we we'll be talking about, they have like these fan belt things that help them suck in energy. And I guess the equivalent of that in some of these OG pictures I'm seeing is like it kind of just looks like an Intercontinental Championship belt, which I think is really cool. Yeah, they're they're definitely like pro wrestlers on the side, you know. Yeah, they can't make enough doing their common rider stuff. So they're going to 
ship off to Osaka <laughs> and compete in the you know, All Japan tournament once in a while. I think so. But yeah, his his wings look super cool. But uh, yeah, you like this OG version? I mean, I guess we'll get into the the real version in a little bit. All right, not the real version, but our version. But uh, yeah, you, you like the way this guy's looking? I love him. You know, I, I love the fact that his tights are two sizes too small. That I can mm-hmm. see a lot of rippling in those uh, thigh coverings. Uh, I feel like there's not enough photos of the OG Batman online when I'm doing a quick Google search, which makes me wonder if this guy was maybe kind of underutilized back in the day. I I feel like when I see this Batman, I feel like this guy should be one of the main bad guys, if not the main bad guy. But I don't, I don't know if he really was, maybe he was. And I just, I'm not getting good photos, but Hey, fucking rules. He looks like a real bat, like more than any other Batman that I know of. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the cool pointy ears and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if maybe this guy was underutilized or if Googling Batman is like super difficult to do, but. Oh, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Oh, maybe I should just search for this kanji version. That's probably the smart play. Oh, yeah, I'm getting a little more when you search for that kanji. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, it looks like at one point in time, Batman had an all red costume. Oh, dude, Batman is the. Possessor of one of the world's longest telephone cords. Oh my god, this guy's your favorite. Could this be possible? Look at this telephone cord, dude. It's it goes completely off screen. <laughs> you got Batman. In, new, yeah, in a in a, a red favorite. costume with an incredible phone cord. Wow, this this is something else, and and definitely looks like a. Again, that he just got off, you know, working a weekend at the All Japan Pro Wrestling Tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these toys of his are really cool too, statues and stuff. So yeah, maybe he's a little bit more popular than than we thought. But, uh, but yeah, who's uh, who's your final guy? Well, I got this guy. Uh, his name is Heiji Gokujin. Uh, he's a Venus flytrap based Neo Shocker Kaijin from episode 14 of Sky Rider, aka New Common Rider from 1980. Um, who I guess is probably my favorite Kaijin that I've seen from Sky Rider. Uh, there's like a separate subsection on the fandom page just for Sky Rider based uh, Kaijin. And I went through all of them and I think I think this Venus flytrap guy was my favorite. I just love a Venus flytrap. You know, I've, I've always loved them since I was a kid. Many times over my childhood, I would, uh, you know, attempt to raise one on my own. Never worked out. You know, not only did they mm-hmm. never get to man-eating size, I don't think I ever had one live more than a couple weeks, but, you know, I tried. Um, and this guy is just cool. And he just looks like, you know, he's a, he's a walking Venus flytrap. Uh, he's got some cool powers like poison pollen, uh, he can turn into a even larger fly trap, apparently, uh, to devour his victims. He's got a vine whip. He's got high jumping abilities. He's got burrowing skills. Uh, all mm. of the skills that you would need to fight a common rider. You like this uh, this Venus fly trap, dude? Yeah, this guy seems pretty good. He's got like weird, like viney, grassy hands that I think are kind of scary and weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, I wonder if 
he's able to open up his head at all and like use it on the show or if it's just kind of like stuck that way or how that works. But uh, yeah, this guy's cool. I like him. Usually I kind of don't like plant monsters, but but this guy's pretty good. I would watch this guy's episode. You don't like plant monsters, but I thought you were such a huge fan of Swamp Thing. Well, I like Swamp Thing. I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe I spoke too soon. I don't know. Sometimes plant monsters can be a little... Like when they're like dudes, like, you know, like this kind of Power Ranger style, they kind of can look goofy. And I mean, this guy does look goofy, but I don't like, I don't know. Sometimes they just don't do it for me. The way that like animal monsters or like monster monsters do in these kinds of situations on these kinds of shows. But, but uh, this guy's weird flytrap head is pretty cool. I'd say he's a hot piece of ass. Exactly. Oh, okay. All right. Kevin likes him. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you didn't pick this one that I'm going to send you. There was one that I, you know, I was going through, and again, you maybe you just kind of missed it because they made ten million of these kaijin. But I was yeah, scrolling some of the through. Ones... Oh, okay. Got to pick this guy. I didn't see this guy. Yeah, some of the ones with like words in them that I didn't recognize. I just didn't even click on. Which is probably uh, very xenophobic, I guess. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, this guy rules. Yeah, that's how, how you missed out on Okapa Priest, who is a Kappa slash Buddhist priest. Yeah. That, now, do you think that in Firewalk with Me, there are any direct references to this guy or anything like that <laughs> that you want to Pro- talk about? Probably, yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I don't know if had Lynch gotten into Kappa's by this point in his filmography, or I think it was a little bit later. I think he was deeply into Kappa's, uh, during wild at heart. So probably okay. not at this point. Um, yeah, this guy rules. Yeah. This guy's probably my favorite. You're right. But that's the thing. It's like if, my two favorite things in life. If you scroll through this wiki long enough, you'll have three more favorites. I'm, I'm sure of it. Cause co- turns out common rider had cool monsters. Who knew? Nobody told yeah. me. I've been alive for 40 fucking years. Nobody told me that shit. <laughs> yeah, true. I think that, let that be a lesson. If you guys know about cool common Rider monsters, don't bottle that up. Tell a friend, you know? If you see something, say something. Exactly. I mean, the, the signs in the subway have been telling me this for years. They should be, I mean, that, that should have prompted y'all to do the, you know, do the deed. Do the right thing. Let me know about these guys. But I guess, you know, maybe it's about bombs and stuff like that, too. Yeah. They're saying if you see Oppenheimer, tell somebody. <laughs> if you see that new Mission Impossible, tell somebody. Oh, did you see Oppenheimer yet? No, nah, not yet. Oh, come on, dude. Go see that. So well, yeah, I, I want to hear you shit on it. I would love to shit on it. I, I would love I to. It. Well, I. Everything I hear has been positive, and, and I would love to be the only. I would love not to be the only guy who who seems not to love it. You know. Okay, I've I've seen a lot of people not enjoy it very much, but perhaps we run in different circles. It's got like a four and a half rating on Letterboxd. Oh shit! Well, okay. Well, after I see Ninja Turtles this weekend, I'll see I'll see that. Oh yeah. Well, tell me if those Ninja Turtles rip off Common Rider in any way. I will. I'll let you know if any of them are Buddhists. <laughs> um, 
Oh my god, it looks like there's also a different kind of Kappa that fights Common Rider at some point. But uh All right, well let's find out about some of the Kappas out there in Junk Food Dinnerland, shall we? We got a voicemail here. Let's get those pickled ice men on the blower. <laughs> we got this one. Uh, if anybody knows about weird animals, it's uh, it's Tom from Adelaide. Hey guys, it's Tom here. I don't know about you, but uh, triple extreme prejudice uh, sounds like some really homophobic, self-hating gay porn. I don't know if I want to watch that, but okay, cool. You know, I think that's a pretty catchy name, though. Well played, Sean. Um, yeah, and with regards to Dario Argento um, being a writer on uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, he definitely was. He's credited with that. And I think you can see that most. I mean, there's a few scenes, but you can definitely see that most. And I think I might have even heard that he was. this was a big part of it, was that you can feel his presence definitely in the opening um, scene, which goes for like, you know, 10-something minutes or so of them waiting for the train to turn up, and then when the train does finally turn up, the tension there gets ratcheted up so much, and it does kind of almost, I mean, it doesn't have any, like, proper horror themes, but it feels dark and dirty, and it feels kind of horror-like, and that's what I always associated with Argento in that particular film. But either way, you should definitely watch it. Um, it's fucking brilliant. And I think you guys would love it. And, yeah, it's got your man Charlie Bronson in it. And he plays the harmonica. That's always good. And also when you find out why he plays the harmonica, it is also kind of a bit of a gut punch. So, yeah, cool. Have a good one. And, yeah, keep up the good work, as you love to be told. Uh, Yeah, great stuff, guys. Keep going. Cheers. Bye. Oh, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I need to see this Once Upon a Time movie. I never saw it. You've still only seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when it comes to Once Upon a Time movies, right? You ever see that Once Upon a Time in America? Never in America, no. Only Hollywood. Oh, I think you owe it to yourself. Do you feel like you're you're more interested now in going down that Sergio Leone path now that you've seen... The good, the bad, and the ugly. Anything for my boy, Sergio. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> that is actually a Clerks 3 reference. But uh, yeah, I, I actually want to go back and watch uh, the, the other Clint Eastwood movie, the middle one. And see see how I like that um, for a, a few dollars more. That's, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if I like that one. And then if I like that one, then... Then I'll delve into his eight-hour uh, other opus. But, um, but yeah, definitely more interesting. Yeah, I really like that. That Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah, it's. I mean, they are pretty damn classic. They stood the you know the test of time, and I I love both of them. So eventually, I, I think we will get around to it. Probably give you a, a little bit of a break before we go back into the uh, the grandpa spaghetti western realm. Okay. Well, I'm actually planning on doing all movies with Once Upon a Time in the title. So that's going to be after we're done with all the journeys to the center of the earth. That's what I'm doing. I wonder what other ones there are. Is there a Once Upon a Time in the center of the earth? <laughs> I hope so. There's got to be a lot of them. Uh, there's a bunch of movies just called Once Upon a Time. Well, I guess that's where we start then. 
Uh, it looks like it's a very big thing in Bollywood. It looks like there's a lot of Bollywood movies that they use it. But <clears throat> anywho, I guess uh, I guess that wraps it up here for this first segment. And then uh, I guess when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, the Shin Kamen Rider. So stick around. And again, in Japan, that's you know kind of common. コネルナイダーと名乗らせてもらう。君は組織が開発した昆虫合成型オーグメンテーションプロジェクトの最高傑作。これを被ると暴力の加減がまるでできなくなる。その辛さをあなたが背負うことで誰かが幸せになってる。
he was kidnapped by some scientists and turned into a grasshopper man. And he sucks the prana out of the world, which is sort of like a wind energy in all living beings, I think. And that gives him the power he needs to be like a superhero. And also, the scientists wanted to cure world hunger because by like if you have this prana, you don't need to eat. There is so much stuff packed into this movie that it's hard to keep track of it all. <laughs> um, did you feel the same way, or am I just dense? Like, did you kept get all of all of <laughs> all of the nuances of this plot? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I feel like, like the first sentence, so maybe you have everything yeah. so far. But well, there's certainly more here than I cared to pay attention to, but it, it <laughs> yeah, didn't seem to matter that much. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can. Yeah subscribe to as much of this plot as you want or just tune it out and wait for the the funny monster fights i definitely think that's true yeah um it is yeah it's a little strange in that um like the vast majority of the dialogue here is exposition like they just go hard on exposition like they're telling you uh just expository stuff about how these science like how the science of this works like what these people are what the goals were and then every time a new villain is introduced which is like what about eight times uh over the course of the two hours um they all have exposition that they want to give and like their backstories and so yeah it's tons and tons of the backstories but i do agree with you that yeah if you know if you want to tune some of it out it maybe that's for the best also this is a remake of the first eight episodes of the original series um, and so they're kind of condensing that down. Like, it seems like they're kind of telling it fairly and fairly, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're being faithful to it. Like they're really just adapting like eight straight up TV episodes, one after another and crunching it down into two hours. So they're packing so much in that way too. Um, and you know, I, I think that makes sense if you are trying to, you know, service an audience that is familiar with this show and this property and, and all, all those stories and these characters. Like, I think if you were a common Rider fan and this movie comes out and it's just a retelling of like, just only the basic origin or, you know, only focuses on like the first episode or two, you might be kind of disappointed. But the fact that it does cram in, you know, like eight different monsters and all of this backstory I think it's probably appealing to those fans. And then again, you know, for somebody like me who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, I just tune it out, you know, and, and assume that stuff would be more valuable to me if I was a Shin Kamen Rider dude, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I feel like Shin Godzilla, um, I haven't seen Shin Ultraman, but I feel like Shin Godzilla, like you can go into that having no idea what a Godzilla is and be pretty okay. Uh, but I feel like this one, yeah, like this, probably works a lot better if you're a common writer guy because they they just give you all the stuff you love about common writer and um yeah they kind of leave people who aren't familiar with it in the dust i mean kind of but uh, you know at the same time like i said everything's exposition so maybe they really if you're like super paying attention maybe you get caught up and you become a super <laughs> common writer guy yourself because they explained it all to you uh maybe i just wasn't paying too much attention but um because there's so many cool like explosions of blood in the sh that happen on screen. 
Um, but so when we start out, we've got Kamen Rider. Uh, he's fighting, I think Spider-Man's the first villain. He runs into this Spider-Man and uh, fucks up all of his henchmen, explodes them into blood, fights this guy, finds out he's a superhero. And then just, yeah, I mean, basically just goes to, you know, from villain to villain, um, kicking the shit out of them. Uh, there's this organization called Shocker um, that um, that is making these things, these weird human-animal hybrids. Um, did you have a favorite of these guys? I know we talked a little bit about our favorites, but uh, I think you picked all guys who are not in the movie. Did you have a favorite of the movie guys, of the movie bad guys? It probably is that Mantis man in this. There's a, a half-Mantis... What is he like a half lizard or something? Half He's toad? a chameleon. Chameleon. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, with that cool kind of chameleon eye on the, the one side of his face. And he's, you know, when I say that he's half and half, he is like left side is chameleon, right side is mantis or, or something like that. And I thought he was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's cool. Uh, in my research, I learned that on the show, like episode six, they introduce a chameleon bad guy. And then episode seven, they introduce a mantis bad guy. And because they were like, they just kind of wanted to, wanted to consolidate some of the storytelling in the movie. They just com- like literally combined those two guys into one guy, uh, which I think is an interesting way to do it. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, another thing that they changed from the original is um, that Eureka, uh, she is sort of, Common Rider's liaison to what's happening. Like she kind of guides him through it. Um, she apparently was not that big of a character in the show, but um, Hideaki wanted to turn her into more of a character. So she's a bit more of a character. She kind of has, has a lot of connections to some of the villains too. Like her brother's the main bad guy. And uh, she's like friends with uh, the bee woman or the wasp woman. Wasp woman is super cool. There's a scene where they're going to fight the wasp woman and they're like going to like a subway center or something like that, like, you know, going to her headquarters. And it's like this big long shot. And we're in front of the two, Eureka and Common Rider, as they're walking. And it doesn't cut or anything like that. They're just walking through the subway and it's like full of people, crowded, crowded subway or like a tunnel or something like that. And over time, the people just kind of start forming lines. Like there's like four or five lines behind them and they start single filing up as they walk and then they're all walking like in unison behind our heroes. Uh, And then we later learn that she has like the powers of, uh, you know, mind control and stuff like that. And it's like such a subtle effect. Like you don't even know that these people are lining up in straight lines until they're in a straight line. And it's like really cool. Did you enjoy that? Uh, Yeah, I, I, I love that. You know, I kind of clocked it before the, the characters clocked it, you know, just seeing them walk in unison behind the characters, like immediately kind of creeped me out where I'm like, why are they all walking at a uniform pace? And and then it becomes clear, you know, what's going on. I I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. And then in Um, terms of Eureka, (laughs) you know, I think they did change some things about some of the characters in this, you know, like they're trying to be faithful, but some things got changed, but I did appreciate that they kept her continuity with her living in Eureka's castle. All right, that's an, that's that's quite enough. Oh, um, I 
I mean, I know that I love the movie Hardcore Henry, like deeply. So I'm probably always looking for stuff like this. But I feel like this movie is kind of influenced by that a little bit. There are a lot of scenes in this where the action is first person. And also, I mean, just kind of the plot, like the fact that this guy, you know, a beautiful woman wakes him up to tell him that he's now a superhero. Um, I, You know, I mean, obviously that kind of predates Hardcore Henry, but it's similar that way too. Um, but nonetheless, the action in this, even when it's not first person, is shot in like really crazy ways. Like I guess as uh, in my research, I was watching a documentary on the making of this and a lot of the fights they would shoot with like eight cameras simultaneously from like all these crazy um, different vantage points. Like there'd be like one looking straight down from them. There'd be like one looking straight up from them and like all different angles. And then they, they would cut them all together or not cut them all together, but like pick, you know, pick and choose and edit them. Um, and I thought that was a really crazy way to, to get these um, on, on screen. And then, you know, most of the fights end with dudes exploding just into so much blood. It is like so fun and gory. Um, and, I guess I wanted to do them all without CG, but then had to kind of uh, concede that they needed a little bit of CG here and there. Um, and I think they use it like it's not very good CG, but I think it's stylish CG. So it never really bothered me. But um, what do you think about these these fight scenes and stuff? The CG, I don't think really bothered me ever in the fight scenes. I, I think it's a little bit more present in some of the chase scenes or, or I, you know, yeah. I guess at the end there's a chase slash fight scene that's in that kind of darkened tunnel that has yeah. a lot of CG that looks kind of crummy. And, and that whole action scene, to be honest, is maybe a, what, one of the bigger letdowns with this movie is, is the fact that there's like a, you know, this action climax to this movie that you can't really make out most of what's happening. It's kind of too dark and uh, kind of crummy and, and CG ish, but that is the exception in my mind, you know, because a lot of the action in this movie is really good looking, you know, like the opening chase scene, which feels a little bit like a mission impossible kind of motorcycle chase. Um, I thought it was great. You know, it, it features these really cool angles, you know, they, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that they um, employed the technique that you're saying where they put a bunch of cameras down and figured it out later because a lot of the action in this to me feels very much coordinated, you know, like they storyboarded it, that they planned it, that this is how, uh, Anno wanted this, you know, these scenes to look. Um, so it's, it's surprising to hear that, you know, that they did implement a, a, you know, a little bit of element of chance with, you know, their camera deployment strategy, but yeah, overall I thought the action looked great. Yeah. Well, I think that they did that a little bit. Like apparently, um, Anno was, kind of um kind of a tyrant on the set and for the first like few action scenes they did the thing where like i said where like they just they did the action and then they filmed it with a bunch of different cameras and then kind of cut it together but like i guess he kind of became more of a perfectionist as time went on with like how he wanted the fights to go so they kind of became more more planned out as the movie went on and he would like change things on the fly and he would make these actors, these poor actors do like the fights over and over and over again. And if there's like the slightest thing off, like he, you know, he'd make them do it again or like he'd like completely restage it. And 
And I guess at one point his action director and choreographer like quit the movie. Like I think during the scene with the wasp woman during that fight scene, he was like quit. He was like, oh, fuck you. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, you're, I'm you're too, too old much. for this. Yeah. He's like, you're too much of a tyrant. And I was like, all right, fuck you. We don't even need you. And, but then after like a few hours of trying without him, he, Ano tearfully begged him to come back to the, to the movie. Um, but yeah, but apparently he was, and I mean, I guess this is like him during all of his career, very, like a huge perfectionist and was like really changing a lot of things on the fly after a while and um, wanting to do a lot of different things and you know, all this kind of stuff. So, which makes me like him more. I, I feel like that's, that's on brand for after seeing all of his work as I have the fact that he's a, a tyrant makes me like him more somehow. Well, but, and honestly, kind of the role of the director to ensure that the product turns out good. Like I, I've heard enough stories mm-hmm. about directors who are like really nice to hang out with on set and it's, Oh, it's such a breeze and it doesn't even feel like working. And it's, I, I don't know that that's how you make a good movie, to be honest. I agree. Um, and so, so yeah. So, and I mean, even when they're not shooting like action scenes, there's a lot of like weird, cool camera stuff. Like there's a scene where they're like going to like one of the safe houses that Eureka has set up. And for some reason, like the shot is just looking straight down at them as they open the door. And it's like, just there's like a lot of like just weird, you know, no one else on earth would shoot walking into a door like that, but, but he does. And there's a lot of like weird, interesting stuff like that throughout the movie. Um, the bat guy that they run into that I mentioned before, he's wonderful. Like he does this thing, which also kind of reminded me of hardcore Henry. Like he's like just really right into the camera. Like, I mean, the camera is like an inch away from his face while he's like screaming and his bat wings are going crazy. And um, he's like hanging upside down while yelling at these people. And I, I just really enjoyed him. Um, this is the Batman we're talking about here. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I like that his whole plan when trying to get away from Common Rider is that he knows Common Rider can only jump so many feet into the air because Common Rider is based on a grasshopper. So he flies higher than that and he thinks that Common Rider can't get him. I think that that's really fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, in terms of plot, there kind of isn't a ton of it to discuss, but I mean, all the, like if you like watching superheroes fucking kick the shit out of each other. It's probably the movie for you. Um, would you agree with that assessment, Sean? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, in general terms, I, I do agree with that. Um, you know, like I said before, I didn't know anything about Common Rider before this week, except I think that I knew that it was made by the same guy that made Super Sentai, which was turned into the Power Rangers. Um, I, I guess he did that uh, after he did Common Rider, I believe. I believe Common Rider's first, but... Uh, same guy made both of those things. Um, and I didn't realize, I don't think that they tried to do a power Rangers with this, that there was an American re-edit of, uh, you know, the original common rider show, uh, that aired in like 1995 called masked rider. That was not very popular and, and didn't last very long. I think it just lasted the, the one season. Um, but it's, you know, it's been a show that I've just been kind of aware of barely it's on the, like the periphery of my awareness, certainly much more familiar with Ultraman, which is a thing that even Ultraman, I don't know very much about, but 
uh, was kind of shocked to see how long running this was and, and how much of this has been made. You know, looking at Wikipedia, since the year 2000, there has continuously been a common Rider show on Japanese TV at all times. Uh, there's been 24 different series that aired over the past 23 years. Um, and then in terms of theatrical, like besides Shin Kamen Rider, there are two other mainline Kamen Rider movies that were released this year. And there was a few last year, a few the year before that, etc. So in all, this wow. Kamen Rider franchise comprises 34 TV series, 87 theatrical movies, about 50 or so original direct-to-video stories, and then, of course, countless manga, video games, uh, even foreign remakes uh, there's quite a few of. So this really does have to be one of the most intimidating media franchises to wrap your head around, you know, um, with even more content, it seems, than Ultraman or, or maybe anything else to ever come out of Japan. So it makes sense to me that, you know, this would feel a little bit exposition heavy, that it would be trying to throw out a lot of these little small chunks of plot at you that don't really seem to add up to too much, but they got to get them out of the way. Cause that's this giant mythos that they've built that they've got to kind of introduce. So, uh, you know, coming into this with no expectation of what this should be or how it should feel like, or who these characters are or how they should act. You know, I, I just came into this kind of in the mood for a, silly, fun, sci-fi action sort of a thing from Japan. And I feel like uh, Hideko Ano delivered me that pretty well, you know? Um, and I, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. I, I did like Shin Godzilla, maybe not as much as you or Kevin, but but I did like it. Um, although I, I didn't like uh, his cutie honey movie. I, I was not a huge fan of that. Uh, but I like Shin Godzilla. I love Evangelion. I think it's one of the best things ever made. And rewatching it this week, I did kind of take note of like how great his shot selections are in that anime. You know, just great angles. He knows how to convey a lot with a you know a certain camera angle. Like he'll do this thing in conversation scenes where he'll cut to these very wide shots where you know the characters having their dialogue having their conversation are very small in like the middle of the frame and you get this huge environment kind of just you know enveloping them and it's it's kind of cool to to see these people you know um framed in these different ways and and see his skill with that um yeah, he does that in this. At the end of this, there's like this really beautiful sequence that takes place on like a flooded highway or something. Like, yeah, it looks like yeah, there's like flooded farmland and like flooded like streets and stuff where Shin Common Rider is just kind of staring, looking off into it. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. You know, when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, this kind of reminds me of of how he would have picked an angle maybe for for Evangelion. And then, you know, like I said before, the the opening action scene, that motorcycle chase, I thought was really well uh, put together. Some of the movie, you know, of course, works better for, for me than other parts. And I think that there is like a sweet spot for me in terms of pulpiness where, you know, I want something like this to be very silly and very weird, but also take itself seriously. 
And I like that this movie does that. Um, and for the most part, it's riding that line, I think, pretty perfectly, where this does feel like the kind of goofy horseshit tone that just kind of thrills me. But then they do go, I think, a little bit too hard into like the earnestly emotional territory once in a while where, you know, they're, I don't know, like, I, I feel like a little bit of this reluctant hero stuff goes a long way. And sometimes it's it's just a little bit too mopey, um, you know, but for the most part, you know, I think that this is a very fun time. I like the main common Rider costume. Uh, I like all of his foes costumes. I like all that blood splatter kind of evocative of like a seventies samurai movie where a guy would get decapitated or, or whatever. And he'd be spraying blood all over the whole set. Uh, I like that they do that here. And I like that it, it seemed to be practical. Those blood splatters, yeah. at, at least for the most part, um, which is one of those things that I think is, is really undervalued as a practical blood spray. And maybe it's a pain in the ass. You're on set. Nobody wants to mop up all that fake blood, you probably ruin a costume or two. You got to send it to the dry cleaner or whatever. I know it's a pain, but CGI blood spray looks so bad and takes me out of the movie every time. And the fact that they went practical here is great. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's you, like blood spray is so, you know, when you do it practically, it's like so random and it's like, it's hard to recreate that with CG. Like it always yeah. looks manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, Yeah. We're, we're not as, you know, good at replicating chaos as, as we think we are, I guess, you know, and yeah, there's just, it's, it's so complex, a, a blood spray, but, um, yeah. And anyways, um, what else about this thing? Yeah. The, the plot does kind of leave a little bit to be desired. Like this movie with this kind of a tone where it's just kind of like, a we're going to be jumping from bad, bad guy to bad guy every 15 minutes or whatever. I don't know that you need two hours to do that kind of a movie. Um, my favorite stuff is those scenes in this movie where you are jumping from bad guy to bad guy. But um, at a certain point they do kind of get away from that. Like the last 30 minutes of this, they stop doing the kind of monster of the minute sort of a thing. And it kind of slows down. So maybe tightening this up would have been smart, but I wouldn't want to lose any of these monsters, you know, and I love that mantis chameleon. I like that bee lady. Um, it's just fun to see all these, you know, these bad guys in their little environments doing their little monologues and then getting their little asses beat, you know, one by one. It's, it's just kind of a, it feels like you're kind of binge watching a TV show in a way. And, and I kind of like that about it, but um, yeah. Oh, there's a subtitle at one point that has a character saying the words in English. She says, it's going to get hella crazy. I didn't know that the Japanese used the word hella. So shout out to them, I guess, for, for using hella. Um, I think that probably goes back to that time that Gwen Stefani was suddenly Japanese for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. They learned this from the Harajuku girls. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this is not the most original movie. When you watch this in 2023, it does feel like a lot of the action is derivative either of like things like Mission Impossible or especially of like modern Marvel movies. I think if you could transport this movie somehow into a time before there were a bunch of Marvel movies, you might see this and think like this was the most incredible thing ever made. 
But the fact that it does have like heavy Marvel vibes, I mean, it's impressive that they're able to pull this off in Japan and it doesn't turn out like complete garbage. Um, but again, it's not the most original thing in a way. Although if you go back to the original in the seventies, it was kind of original. So, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, respect is due for this franchise and I, yeah, overall enjoyed this. It, it made me think a little bit of the opening of Smoking Causes Coughing, where we mm-hmm. got a cool kaiju battle that didn't last very long, and I wanted it to last much longer. And this movie is kind of in that tone. Um, I liked it more than Zebra Man. I liked it more than Hentai Kamen. And so I think well. this is my... I think this is my uh, my weirdo Japanese hero of choice at the moment. Well, mine is still Hentai Kamen. I mean, I, I like of when course. he puts the underwear on his head. Of course. You like when he says, Panso misate kudasai. I don't remember him saying that. Uh, it, it just means, give me your panties. Oh, well, <laughs> I do I do like when he says that. Um, I, ca- I, I guess this movie, though, Shin Kamen was, uh, or Shin Kamen Rider was um, a bit of a box office disappointment in Japan. It seems like it, did, it didn't really... Clear their financial goals that they had hoped, which is kind of a bummer because uh, you know you would yeah. you would hope that he would get to make more of these things. Although it seems like yeah. they'll just keep making more common rider stuff, no matter what. Like it, it feels like at this point, nobody on planet Earth could stop this franchise. They'll just continue making it twenty four seven. It seems like. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean. If there's two other Common Rider movies coming out in Japan this year, that that's probably what's happening to their box office returns is that they're just flooding the market with this guy. It seems like, yeah, and and maybe people don't have time for the, you know, the non-canon kind of entry into the theatrical run of Common Rider because because those other ones are like part of the series. You know, they're part of this whole TV franchise and and it all connects, but this being kind of a remake, I guess people maybe didn't put it at the highest priority. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Godzilla, Shin Godzilla made 75 million, uh, the final Evangelion movie, which is part of this series for some reason, like I said, 92 million Ultraman did 33 million and this only made 15 million. So yeah. Odd. Yeah. But it got good. It got good reviews. People seem to like it. Yeah, and, and as they should. I mean, this is a, a, a likable movie that, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, I think in terms of fun, I think this is more fun than Shin Godzilla. I think so, yeah. Shin Godzilla is more depressing and scary. This is certainly a much more fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, not so focused on fun that it becomes a zebra man where nothing has stakes or, or matters at all. Yeah, zebra man's very silly. It um, does matter to me if if this Batman gets foiled. I agree. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, they did have plans for a sequel. Um, so I don't know. Maybe since they didn't make a lot of money, maybe they won't be doing it. But uh, they have said that they are you know, that they want to do more of these and more of the Ultraman movies too, um, and possibly bring them together into some sort of big, huge, shared universe. But I guess only time will tell um, on those. But uh, how will time tell when it comes to the next movie for 
for us, or or I guess maybe just you. I'm next week. We we're joining back up with Kevin to talk about three delightfully devilish films, and then I'm actually going to be on vacation after that. So, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what's happening, or do you want to keep it a mystery? Well, let's keep it a mystery whether or not I know what I'm doing. Okay. Which is to say, maybe I do have a plan, maybe I don't have a plan, but I'm certainly not going to be sharing it right now. Well, you've got time, because like I said, next week, Kevin returns. He's a Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we are going to be talking about some movies with him that I'm going to be pulling up presently. You better pull up those movies that we're going to be discussing with the world's number one podcasting Nosferatu. Uh, For our 666th episode of Junk Food Dinner, we are doing a Satan-themed show, and we are going to be talking about Alucarda from 1977, Invitation to Hell from 1984, and Cabin in the Sky from 1943, which, oh, I pray to God there's some Satans in it, because I looked it up on Letterboxd. Doesn't look like there's any Satans in it. I'm going to be so mad if there's no Satans in that movie, Sean. Well... Again, let's leave it a mystery whether or not I know what the fuck I'm doing here. <laughs> and then after that, who knows? Uh, so that's that's our plans for the time being. Um, yeah, all right. Well, I guess that wraps everything. Oh, our, first of all, I should tell you how to voicemail us if you want to. You should call us at 347-746-JUNK. Let us know how you feel about Satan. Let us know how you feel about uh, Shin Kamen Rider. Do you have a favorite common writer bad guy? Let us know. Uh, find us in the also, Discord. Also, find us in the Discord. Um, also, also find us on Patreon. Also, if, also if if you like Twin Peaks, I pray to God you are getting these bonus episodes. We're talking about every episode of Twin Peaks, all three fucking seasons. The movie we already talked about. You heard us talk about that. Uh. We're doing that over on the Patreon. Just donate a few dollars and you get us talking all about Twin Peaks. And, you know, I know when we went over to this new format, we said, uh, we're going to lay off the Patreon. We're going to do less bonus stuff. I think we're doing like twice as much bonus content <laughs> now because of this Twin Peaks stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, go over there and check that out. That's real entrapment. I'm also, you know, I'm not trying to entrap people. I just want to get a couple of dollars on the side from watching all this David Lynch stuff, you know? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to sit through all this stuff about Josie and her stupid mill. I just want a dollar or two for that. I don't think that's Let me wrong. get that snap, boo. Exactly. Uh, email us, find us on Facebook, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, just call us if you want our personal numbers. <laughs> so until Very next nice. time this is Parker for Sean saying thanks for having fun <laughs>